The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and ask for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've really been eager for this moment for, for, for a few months, honestly. I've been um, just, I love the excitement of um, a church year kicking off and all the programs and Sunday school classes and all of that excitement. And I, you, you may have picked up on that for those of y'all who read the, read the e-news. And I, um, I love Sunday school and classes in this. Wednesday night, we're kicking off our Wednesday night program and, and have a wonderful uh, music from, from Jimmy Gauld and Lane Poole and, and a wonderful program all year. And I just, I've been really, really excited. And I think that you know, we come to church because we believe that, that things, there's something here that enriches our lives or it gives us a place for us to rest and nourish our soul. And that if we, we gather here together as community, life will be a little easier. That, that there's something about kind of gathering as, as people that will help us manage with God all the transitions in life. The managing of failure and doubt and hope and celebration. And so that there's something about being together that makes life maybe a little bit easier. That we'll know God through the relationships that we build with each other. And so we come here seeking hope and ease. And, and, I, and I'm always reminded of that beautiful line of Jesus saying, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I think kind of with the excitement of the new year and with that kind of mindset of why we gather here, I've been kind of super thrilled. And then I listened to Jesus this Tuesday morning, his words that he has for us this morning. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
if you don't hate your mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and, and, and while most human families, and I'm speaking not as your priest as much as I am from my own personal experience, most families have some level of some pretty serious dysfunction, but I still want to acknowledge that this reading, this just is hard for me to swallow, that this is what we ought to strive for, hating the people that we are supposed to love. And so I was kind of hoping that on this, like, welcome back to Sunday school program where everybody is excited, and I've already messed up by not printing enough bulletins, and we're commissioning our Sunday school teachers and our worship ministers. I was kind of hoping maybe for like a mustard seed story or a little healing or <laughs> maybe resurrection, wholeness, all those good things. Hate. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, we, were, we were gathered together, our men's Bible study, which looks at the upcoming reading, and um, one of the people in our class, Sam, was kind of challenging this kind of notion of, of hate, and I think rightfully so. And so we were looking, and we were doing a little word study, and, and just to give you a little bit of ease before we kind of look at what this does to our families, that this understanding of hate is not this emotional kind of feeling, this kind of emotional anger that we have towards other people. It really essentially is just a ordering of priorities. Hate is lowering in our priority list, it is, is seeing something as better. So this idea that God is first saying that we need to, that the hating, we can't value, we can't value our families, we can't value our earthly goods, we can't value all that stuff on the same level that we care about everything, that we care about God. I can start to, to sit with a little bit more ease at our reading this morning. But it begins for me to challenge kind of one of the questions that, that it forces me to wrestle with is, you know, in what ways do I put those who are closest to me, the people that I care about, in front of the kingdom of God? And I struggle. You know, how, do we, how can I stand here rationally and tell you that I'm not going to save for my own children's college or, or look out for their futures? But when I hear this message, I begin to kind of wonder what would happen. What would happen if I believed with the same responsibility for all of my brothers and sisters in this world with the same passion of those that are closest to me? See, the thing is, how do you pit your family against each other if we kind of swallow the great theological truth that we are all one family? That all people are the children of God, which means that we are all brothers and sisters. And so what would happen, I begin to kind of play, what would happen if on each stranger that we encounter in this world, if we saw the face of the person that we love the most, whether it's a child or a grandparent or a parent or a spouse or a special friend, how would our world begin to shift if that outward expression of God's love for all of God's children was contained in our relationships we had for each other. I'm sure that our lives would be different. It'd probably cause a little turmoil. 
I probably have to give up a little bit more of what I've been entrusted with. Uh, we, Ann and I, my, my parents were in town, and we watched recently uh, the, the miniseries on HBO called Chernobyl, which is about the um, 1980s, if y'all, y'all, most of y'all probably remember that there was the nuclear reactor in Chernobyl that, that had a meltdown. And so the kind of miniseries is this play on the way that it kind of begins with the meltdown and it begins with the way that, that people responded or didn't respond. And, and so from that, it's kind of creating this narrative. Um, and, and so what's happening is, you know, this whole city is crumbling and there's this fear that if, if they don't contain the meltdown that thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives are going to be affected. And so the, the story is kind of tracing the, the real steps that many took to kind of contain that breakdown. And one of the things that has to happen, and I'm not a, um, I, I don't know anything about uh, nuclear engineering or any of that stuff, so I'm not going to try to presume, but there's a, there's a pl- point when they have to kind of move through all this nuclear contaminated water and get to these pipes and release the kind of pressure, and that's going to kind of keep everything from exploding. And, and so the guy that's kind of responsible for this, he gathers the 30 or so people, the engineers of that plant that know the systems and know how to do that, and he looks at him and goes, look, what it means to be a part of this community, what it means to be, and, and, and for the sake of this movie, it means to be Russian is what his point is. But what he's saying is, you guys are going to have to go in here, you have to swim through all of this nuclear contaminated water and release the pressure to save this entire community, and I need three volunteers. And he gives this compassionate plea, and three men stand up and raise their hands, and they swim through nuclear contaminated water, and they save the whole community. Now, I think, besides our kind of attraction to kind of destruction and all of that, I think that one of the reasons the show is so compelling is because we find that kind of example of sacrifice in witness so moving. How can a few people see care for the greater community as more important than their own families and their own lives? And so it's moving and it's... um, And I'm sitting there going, man, I don't know if I would be able to do the same But I think that there is something about, when we talk about the cost of following Jesus, the cost is to say that our families, our own self-prosperity and all that is not more important than the care of every human being that is a child of God. And so we are in some way being commanded to go out and to care for the world in a way that cause, that has a cost. So the question is, how do we have the courage to do that? How do we have the courage to live our lives in that way? I think that the, the weekly of coming in every week, of gathering here, the kind of sacramental life and the hope that we have in the Eucharist is to shape us into that courage, to have that courage. This Sunday, we are introducing a new prayer that we're going to try for a month and a half or so. It doesn't mean that we'll always use it, but if you turn to page 10 on your bulletin, 
And if you look at the invitation there, this prayer comes from the Anglican Church in Canada, and I heard it for the first time when I was in the monastery in Boston this summer. And, and one of the ways they begin their Eucharist is with the priest saying, Behold what you are. And the people respond, May we become what we receive. I think that's why we're gathered here. It doesn't mean that we have the courage to abandon those things that are closest to us at this very moment. But over time, over every week, we are being conformed to that love and that courage and that hospitality and that sacrifice that God is, is making in each of us. And that each week as we take communion or we gather here for the prayers or we gather here in the hope that we are all knit together as God's beloved, that we are becoming that gift of grace that we receive. We are becoming hope and love and possibility and courage. We're being molded to have the strength to love this world in radical ways. To love others with that same power that we love those who are closest to us. Our Lord loves each of us and has grafted us into one family, the human family of God. It's my hope that we can continue to learn to open our eyes to see the beloved in each person that we meet, to see the image of the most valuable gift the world has ever been given when we encounter another human being. Why? Because that is how God sees us. And may our faithful response be to do likewise. Amen.